I'm excited. Hello, everyone. Um, it's also a tremendous ease of being here. Uh, the worship, I'm uh, privileged to sit in it for the second time round, and it's better. It gets better and better. There is a, there is a, um, there is a, f- uh, you guys know this. God is flowing here. He's not just, it's not a jacuzzi, it's a river, this place. Yeah? He's here. He's going mental and flowing, but he's going out. And you guys are right in the middle of it. So, yeah, it's a joy, it's an honor, it's a privilege to come up. I was privileged to pop by here. I think it was April last year, spent a bit of time with uh, the guys in the ministry school, watched those guys in action. So I'm really pleased to be here on a Sunday. Um, you know, I was, um, as a kid, as a, young, uh, as a young man, I suppose, I uh, wanted to change the world. I don't know if that's the same for any of you guys here. Uh, I wanted to see justice come. I wanted to see the things of God spread out across planet Earth. And I wanted to start at the top. I don't know if that's like anybody else here. So I thought, okay, chief executive of World Vision, that's about my kind of level. Or maybe you could just make me kind of, you know, uh, president of the United Nations, something like that. That's roughly where I was aiming for. And uh, the Lord stopped me in my tracks and he said, Nick, uh, very clearly, uh, he drew a picture actually, it was, uh, it, was, it was like a canvas like we've seen here this morning, it was a blank canvas and he drew me right into the bottom corner and he said, Nick, that's you. You may think this big, but that's you right there. And uh, if you want to learn to change the world and to, and to see justice come, you need to learn how to serve the poor and you need to learn how to get your hands dirty. And so I, um, after I got over that, <laughs> I got on with it. And I moved myself uh, down the hill from where we lived in, in Sheffield. Sheffield's a, a city in the north of England. We're near Manchester. That's a place most people have heard of. And uh, I moved in, into the poor neighborhood of our city uh, with a couple of young adult guys. We lived in a little tiny, t- tiny house, actually, with two bedrooms. There were three of us squished in there. And I learned how to serve the poor in spirit and, and, and the, the actual material poor. And during that time, God took me on a pilgrimage, and I ended up in a, in a, in a city called Toronto for a short time. Yeah! I know. Well, it's no coincidence. And uh, that was in the year 2000. And uh, I went to a, a conference. It was called the Father Loves You Conference. Frankly, I had no idea that they were running a conference. I just knew that God was moving. I was a little bit afraid of it. I, didn't, I knew I'd seen charismatic things over the years, uh, but I just knew God was doing something. I knew I had to get there on a pilgrimage. Uh, and so by the end of that week, I came home and I just knew that I knew that I knew in the soul of my being that I have a father in the heavens who loves me. And that's what he did. And he, he rebuilt the foundation of my faith on that truth. And it's the same story for Marjorie and it's the same story for many of us around the world. And so we've learned so much from you guys and from your leaders and, and the way that you model love. Uh, in Catch the Fire, all over the world. It's what defines you as a movement, isn't it? It's what defines you. And I want to encourage you to be love in the everyday. Every person, everywhere, every day. Actually, you guys are love carriers. I experienced it as we came in the doors this morning. Uh, the welcome, but, but there's, a sense, there's, a, there's a sense of God's presence here. And Paul, we're going we're gonna to camp out in um, 1 Corinthians today. But in, in, in uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about love, doesn't he? It's that famous passage, and he's talking to a church not dissimilar from this one. It's a, it's a, it's a growing church. It's a, a supernatural church community, a Christian community. And he says, you can have it all, but if you haven't got love, you haven't got anything. But you guys have that, and I want to encourage you to carry uh, that thing and to continue to ask, Lord, blast us. We have to have your Holy Spirit love. We have to have it if we're going to carry it out 
And it's who you are as a people. I just thought I'd uh, share a little bit of our context of who we are, just to help it, uh, make it a little bit easier for you guys to receive us. So, um, uh, like these guys said, we were, the Lord called us to plant a, a church in our own city. Uh, uh, we moved um, locations of church, and uh, I've got a little picture of it. It looks like a church. Uh, it's a proper, it was a Methodist church. It was 111 years old uh, when we moved in, and it's a big stone building. There it is. It looks like a proper church. It has a spire and everything. So people know it's a church. Uh, and then uh, uh, it, one of the things that we're about is, is trying to uh, bridge the gap between people who are hungry for God and, and current society and current culture. Because in Britain, in my region of the north of England, 2% of people are church attenders. 2% uh, are, are, are faith-filled and, and church attenders. And so we've got some people to go for there in my region. Roughly 98% of them. And so this, uh, this church happens to be in the centre of town. Uh, it's where the students live. Uh, it's where the people go for, for leisure. There's the bars and the cafes are there. Uh, it's surrounded by the young and the poor and the movers and shakers. And, uh, and so the, the inside of the building, just very quickly, this is a picture of our foyer, our kind of entrance. So we just tried to make it contemporary. That's Susan looking amazing. We just tried to make it look like any kind of cafe space that you would go into, just to, just to make it a little bit easier for people. The inside looks like a real church as well as a sanctuary space. Uh, we still have pews. We still, there's an organ tucked away in the corner there. Uh, um, but here's the next picture. This gives you a better feel of what we're really like as a people. Wait for it. We like to have fun. We are, we, since planting a church, people have asked me many times, how are you doing? How's it going? Fun is my, my first answer. And I can see that amongst you guys here. There's a, there's a, it's, it's, there's a joy and a, and, a, and a fun nature to following the kingdom of God, isn't there? In community together. Uh, and that, that, Duncan, Kate, that's Kate, our, uh, our worship leader who got married last summer. Isn't that cool? So that's, that's a little bit about who we are. And as we planted, thank you, um, we felt God say a couple of things. Uh, and we began to dream for our city. We began to dream for our city and not for, not for church. Actually, our dream is for the city of Sheffield, not for church, not for just doing that. Um, Sheffield doesn't need more churches. It has about 200 churches. What it needs is uh, disciples on fire who carry the kingdom of God beyond the church because the church, the kingdom comes as the church goes. And so we planted with a, with a desire to see the kingdom uh, uh, affect our whole region and the Lord said a couple of things to us about how it should be. Two, two things to focus on. One, prioritize my presence. Prioritize my presence. So prayer, worship, encounter has to be the reason that we gather, doesn't it? You guys are camping around the presence here. And the second thing he said is, this is a church for the unchurched. And, there are, and as I say, there's 98% of them, uh, or, or should I say us? Because actually we're not very far away from those people who, who appear to be far away from God. Jesus, when he came, he said, um, tell people that the kingdom of God has come close to them. Right? Uh, I was in the mall yesterday. I forget what, what it was called, but it was full of expensive shops. And my children were going mental. Their eyes were getting bigger. And we went to the Lego store, and we went to the Disney store, and so on and so forth. But I was looking around, I was thinking, this is no different from my context. There are people here who are hungry for God. Uh, some of them know it, some of them don't know it. But we're surrounded by people who need to know the good news about Jesus. And he said to us, you know, as, as you plant this church, you'll learn that, um, learn to love the city really well, and it's going to get messy. 
So today I just want to talk a little bit about messy mission, actually. Uh, and so we, uh, we, we, we thought, okay, well, in that case, we need to design a church for those who don't know what church is. And so every ministry, all the things that we do, the organized activities, are all aimed at the unchurched or the people who, who, who don't know Jesus yet. Everything that we do is aimed in that direction because it's about the kingdom coming and the kingdom comes as the church goes. And guess what happens? True to his words, broken, lost, messy people started turning up and coming into our orbit and we had to get over it. We had to get used to it, and I've been astounded, I've been astonished, and I've been really excited by what God has done inside the church and outside the church, outside the building, put it that way. So uh, not too long after we uh, opened our doors, uh, we have a, a spirit cafe. I don't know, you guys are probably familiar with that, uh, with spirit cafes. Um, John Arnott's daughter, Laurie, has pioneered that movement around the world, and they're extraordinary things. Uh, it's basically, it's what happens here in ministry time, uh, but on a Friday night, for anyone who's walking up and down our high street, uh, we pray in the power of, of God, we, we have prophetic words, we minister to people, we get people set free and delivered, but we do it in a way that makes sense for people who don't know what church is. That's what Spirit Cafe is. And uh, we just got ours going, and a lady walked into our church on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, she was French, and she was a Buddhist, so not that typical for Sheffield. Uh, and she walked in, and she said, excuse me, I'd like one of your treatments, your, your cafe treatments. Uh, uh, and two ladies were just in the, I think they were on the steps or in the foyer of the church. She said, oh, okay, she'd seen the banner outside. And it was the wrong, you know, it wasn't the right day of the week for that. But they said, you know what, we could give you one now. Would you like that? Yes, please. Uh, and so they had the courage to go for it. These are, these are wonderful uh, ladies, and they were just learning to step out. And so they, they spoke words of life over her, and I think they shared some words of knowledge with her. And she was so impressed that she came back to our church on the, on the Sunday following, two, days, uh, two or three days later. Uh, and she sat through the, the service, I watched everything, and she heard the, the gospel preached. And so at the end of the service, I was out the front doing the, the pastor thing. I was, you know, saying hi and bye to everyone and so on. And a, a lady comes up and she tugs me uh, by my shirt and she says, Nick, the French Buddhist lady wants to give her life to Jesus. What should I do? <laughs> so I smiled at her and I said, that's fine. <laughs> Get used to it. This is going to happen all the time. Uh, let's go together and lead her to Jesus. So we walked back in and we had a chat with her. And this is what she said. She said, As I, uh, she said I live in a Buddhist commune. So she lived in a big shared house with, with other guys following that, that philosophy. And she said, I'm surrounded by people who are trying to be good. Uh, and they, they try really hard. But actually, I look at them and, and I see their hearts. And they're not nice people. <laughs> they're not actually very nice people. And she said, I walked in here. And there is something different in the people in this building. She says, I can sense something. They're really nice people. There's something about their spirits which is really different. And I said, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. Right? And she could sense it in her first visit. Isn't that fascinating? And so we explained the gospel to her. Uh, and, uh, and then she, she heard that there was a baptism that night. So she, she said, well, what's to stop me being baptized tonight? So I shared with her, and I shared her the cost as well as the call of following Jesus. And as it happens, she came back that night and she said, I'm not ready yet to be baptized. Um, because, she, you know, Jesus did both, didn't he? He shared the cost and the call. 
Uh, and so something began to happen to, to me and to Marjorie and our family and our church and our friends. Uh, and it's, it was, it's a bit like gate crashing. Do you have that phrase here? When you just kind of, you know, there's a party on and you barge on in and you're uninvited. And it was a bit like that with us. The kingdom of God started to gate crash us. And, and lost and broken and hurting people started to gate crash our church and just walk in the doors any day of the week. And, and they began to gate crash my time. <laughs> Man. I was being interrupted. My schedule kept getting interrupted by people who wanted to hear about Jesus. I had to stop what I was doing and give them attention. And I had to learn a new language because they didn't speak Christian language. And I had to, how am I going to say this in a way that makes sense? Uh, and you know, we've, uh, all sorts of unusual people have come into our orbit over these last three and a half years. Um, people with different sexualities, uh, transgender people, People who are transitioning from um, uh, in gender reassignment, uh, prostitutes, people who are heavily into the New Age movement, also uh, strapping, strong, intelligent university young men. Lots of young adult men have come in. Also uh, academics, you know, uh, university academics. Loads of people have come through our orbit, and I began to realise that people are hungry for God. Normal people like you and me hungry for God they really are if we have eyes to see and I also began to realize Marjorie said this this morning that that people who are looking for God don't always look like people who are looking for God right people they don't always look like it but God is looking for them and because they're hungry for him they'll find him and I have so much confidence to say that to anybody coming in even for you guys here today if you're hungry and thirsty after God, you will be filled. He loves to answer that kind of a prayer. But, and the interesting thing is God's going to find them whether the Christians are comfortable with that or not. So um, we're going to go to, to 1 Corinthians uh, together. And I'm just going to skip ahead for a second to verse 26 because it says this. Um, Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Definitely my journey. And you know what? The right kind of people for the kingdom can feel like the wrong kind of people for the church sometimes. The right kind of people for the kingdom can feel like the wrong kind of people for the church sometimes. And I realized, well, actually, uh, you know, we were learning all sorts of lessons as we planted this church, and I realized that the, it's the power and the presence of God that transforms people. We learn how to welcome people in the expectation that God's going to transform them. And I need to be ready to love. I've had to learn, you know, it's not always people who look like me. It's not always the people that I would choose. Um, but, and we haven't watered down our doctrine. We haven't changed our view of the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. That would be, fa- that would be falling for the wisdom of this world to change it. But I have to ask myself, actually, Nick, am I willing to be offended by the gospel again? Am I willing to be offended for the gospel and, and for the sake of the gospel? Am I willing to be offended by the grace of the gospel? And as a result, am I willing to become confident in living and sharing the gospel with my messy world around me? I've had to ask myself that question all the time. It's messy mission, but the kingdom comes as the church goes. Uh, And it happens in the ordinary life. Every person, everywhere, every day. 
it's, the stage is just one part of that story, isn't it? And I've realized just how kind, just how profligate God is, my Father in the heavens. His love overflows. He was known as the person who welcomed sinners and ate with them, with alcoholics, with drunkards, tax collectors. Any tax collectors in this morning? You're in the right place, right? Jesus loves you. It's good news. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 18. It says this, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. We who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And, and I've been learning a, a, a fresh confidence in the gospel these last few years. This stuff really works. You know what? If you tell, uh, if you tell people who are living messy, broken lives that there's a Father in heaven who loves them, they're going to believe you. I don't, know, I, I, I don't know how many times actually in our lives we've actually tried to do that. You know, you could be a professional kind of paid member of staff and you might need to do that, but it doesn't happen all that often in our lives, does it? You actually say, okay, I'm actually going to tell you something that will change your life and it's going to cost me because I'm embarrassed or, or, or I've got a, a fear of how you might react. And, but when you start to share the, the gospel, it really works. And then you get a church full of messed up, broken people. And that's fantastic because that is actually what church is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, are there any perfect people here? <laughs> there are no perfect people in my church back home, I can assure you. And the ones who don't believe you when you choose to share with words or works or wonders, the ones who don't believe you at the time, the ones whose minds are, are kind of veiled at the time, that's fine. They're not your present priority. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus talks about people of peace. He says, go to the people who welcome you, the people who serve you, the people who listen to your message. Don't worry about the other people. So that's just a weight off your shoulders right there, okay? And uh, in, their, in their brokenness, the cross becomes the very power, the very power to transform their lives. There is such power in the gospel. And every week I, I see people coming in and they have encounters with the living God. Um, and, and it's encounter unto transformation. We spoke this morning about the woman at the well. She met the living God. The purpose of that didn't stay with her. What did she do straight after she met the living God? In, in John 4, she goes straight back and tells her whole village. It's encounter unto transformation. And the whole region gets transformed by the gospel. Okay, let's carry on. Um, actually, I'll tell you another story first. Uh, there was a, there's a lady in our church. Uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we had a testimony time. It's great to hear testimonies shared, isn't it? Uh, and uh, she said, uh, you wouldn't know this, uh, she said to our church, you wouldn't know this, but uh, I've been coming for a couple of years now. And she's a, a mum. Uh, she's a single mum, a couple of kids. And she said, uh, I used to be an alcoholic. Uh, and uh, I came, I used to, you wouldn't have known it, but I used to come to church and I would not have been sober. And I was controlled by this addiction. But uh, I, I, I had an encounter with Jesus just at, in a ministry time at the, at the end of church. And she said, I have not drunk since. I have been completely set free from alcoholism. That's what she said. Isn't that, I mean, it's just, 
One touch of the king changes everything. And it can be the same for people here today. There may be all sorts of things that we don't know about. But he does, and he can set us free in an instant. It's to do with hunger and thirst. Come with the right attitude. So, as the scriptures say, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. And I've heard both reactions on the streets of Sheffield. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. Let's just say that one again. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. That's extraordinary. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes, or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. He chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And here's the amazing news. God has united you with Christ Jesus. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God, made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. I want to be a boastful person, only about the Lord. You get to boast. You get to boast. I want to be the kind of person who boasts openly with confidence about the freedom, about the transformation uh, that he's brought to me. Even me, little old me. Uh, I boast that I'm weak. You know, uh, I wasn't wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. I am foolish, but I am chosen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am foolish, but I am chosen. And like I say, one of the things we've been learning over these past couple of years is that the people who are looking for God don't always look like they're looking for God. And some people come to us uh, out of curiosity. They've walked in the door out of curiosity, but they stay because of encounter, because they meet something different. Uh, there was a young man uh, who, uh, I suppose he would be a, a, actually in his 30s, which is young for me, uh, and uh, Marjorie met him at the end of church, at the front of church, a big, strapping, strong guy, tattoos, works out. And she turned to him, just introduced herself to him. And he said, well, that answers that then. And she was curious. She said, oh, really? That answers that? And he explained what had happened. He'd come into church that evening because his girlfriend, who had a Christian heritage, had invited him. 
And he was curious and he was, he was open spiritually. Uh, but he said beforehand, he said, um, if there is a God, I need to experience him tonight. That's what he'd said. And he sat through our, our worship service and so on. And a friend of ours, Amanda, had the boldness to go up to him afterwards, introduce herself and share a, a word of knowledge with him. And it opened the door for him. It opened something up for him. And he was, he was frankly blown away. And so when Marjorie came just to say, hey, how are you? He just said, well, that answers that. I came in tonight, you know, and I was, I was curious as to whether there was a God and he needed to talk to me. He's just spoken to me through somebody else's words. And uh, he, uh, he went, uh, joined our Alpha course for introducing people to Christianity and now he's in one of our weekly discipleship community groups. Uh, and that is something that happens all the time if, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And I, I'd love us to pray for that sort of thing to become our daily experience as we, as we uh, you know, when it's time to do that today. So people come in for one thing. They come into our building sometimes for one thing. They're asking for water, for a drink. They need the toilet. They look, they've seen the cake. Or maybe they come in because they've seen a pretty girl walk in. <laughs> they come in for one thing, but they end up caught, caught by community, caught by love, caught by Jesus. Why? Verse 21. God in his wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He's used our foolish preaching and our foolish prophesying and our foolish words of knowledge to save those who believe. And you guys as a church, as Catch the Fire, you have learned how to receive and to channel the fire and the power of God, haven't you? Yeah. It's who you are as a people. And my encouragement to you is to channel it beyond the buildings, yeah. uh, beyond even our homes, and our home and our fire groups uh, to, to channel it into the everyday. And we see many uh, young adult men coming to faith at the moment, and that is completely against the trends in the UK. Uh, there's a missing generation in most UK churches uh, between the age of, I, I guess, about 16 and about 40. They're just pretty much not in churches anymore. And we've seen the exact opposite of that. Uh, and, and young adult men will, are now considering Christianity as a lifestyle option. Yeah, they're interested again. They're curious. Yeah. I, uh, and uh, something shifted. The, the, the cynicism of, of, I'm a Generation X kind of guy, 44 now. The, the cynicism of my generation is gone. And there's a hunger and there's a spiritual openness in the millennials and in uh, Generation Z, who are the guys who are kind of uh, college students now. They are hungry, and I see it. I see it all the time. And the dialogue goes like this. You know, Britain is a post-Christian nation. It's a, a secular nation. Uh, these guys aren't going to be interested. Wrong. Wrong. We just need to change the story, folks. Just need to change the tune. People are drawn to Jesus. They're not repelled by Jesus because he's holy. They're drawn to Jesus because he's holy. They're drawn to the people of Jesus because you're holy. Because they can see that the love in you is different than the love that people are trying to conjure up in, in everyday life. Do you realize that what you carry is attractive? Do you, honestly, do you realize that you're carrying something that people are desperate for, that's really, really attractive to people? We carry the life and the hope that your city is longing for. And, and so as people come in, I have the confidence today, you know, uh, these days they'll come in um, to our, our cafe space before we go into a service or whatever. 
And uh, I'll just say to them, do you know what? If you're hungry and thirsty after God, you will, you will encounter him. I'm absolutely, I'm 100% confident of that these days. And I, and I know that the Holy Spirit is the greatest discipler of people. So we love people and we love them when they change and transform. And we love them when they don't change and transform in the way that we would hope. We just love them. And people have done that for me over the years. And that's why I, I continue to stand and to follow Jesus. And uh, we baptize people whose lifestyles, frankly, have been shocking. But they have begun to, to head towards Jesus and not away from him. That's the message of the gospel. It's not the wisdom of this world. And Paul makes this point. He says it's the weak that welcome the gospel. It's the weak that welcome the gospel. How weak do you feel this morning, folks? I know that's not a, a particularly American question to ask you. It's the weak that welcome the gospel. People are attracted to authenticity. They don't want shiny. They don't want all the answers. They want to see, does this work? And they know that if you're anything like them, you're broken. But, but being fixed. This is a picture of, um, of a Japanese art form, which I've forgotten the name of. Anyone? Kitsumi? Anyone? Yeah. Anyway, you, if you've seen that before, you'll know that the, it's actually a broken pot, a broken jar, but it's made more beautiful by the gold that, that joins it together. When I am weak, I welcome the gospel. <clears throat> Marjorie and I have had times of weakness in our lives, uh, and actually uh, the Catch the Fire family have stood with us uh, and sat with us and cried with us in our own weakness, guys like Stuart and Chloe in London as well. And they've come up to our building and, and they stood with us as we were contending to try and buy the church. Uh, our building was for sale. It was up on the open market. The church that had had it had closed down. They, they were quite happy for us to rent it. But when it came to purchase, it needed to go for the highest bid, the highest price that anybody on the open market would offer. And so we had developers come through that place. Um, they had their clipboards. They were looking around. There were plans. People wanted to turn it into um, apartments. Uh, they wanted to put shops into that old uh, historic church building. And they wanted to turn it into a nightclub or into a restaurant. There were all sorts of plans. And we knew that we had to be the highest bidder. And so uh, uh, Duncan and Kate and uh, Stuart and Chloe and guys like Dan Davidson and those guys from Catch the Fire, they laid hands with us on our building, what's now our building, and declared that we were going to receive it in Jesus' name. Yep. And it was weakness. We came in weakness. Yep. And the Lord provided enough money that we had the highest bid and we outbid the developers in the end and we got it come on yeah and it was a battle to buy that building and actually I drew on your story from for this building your previous building we drew on the stories of Catch the Fire Raleigh in calling in and praying in your buildings you're a miracle people so um, the question is will you continue will I continue to be totally dependent on God God really moves when there's a gap in your life, doesn't he? Yeah. So where are the gaps now for you as a church, as a people? Where are the gaps where you're going to need to be totally dependent on God? He moves in weakness. Are you still making the space for the supernatural provision to come through your battle in weakness and independency? Let us always be ready to do that. Verse 25 of uh, 1 Corinthians 1. 
Paul says this, it's a, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was brought up, I brought up in a church culture and I, was, uh, I kind of picked up this crazy idea that I needed to be careful with interacting with people who were very unholy, who really weren't following the kingdom way, because I was in danger of being contaminated by them. I was going to get kind of slimed by their unholiness. Anyone else? Um, and I've, I, again, God had to do a number on me. Uh, uh, and uh, it's completely different today. I think completely the opposite way because you and I are the contagious ones. On. <laughs> We're the dangerous, contagious ones because we carry something that the world needs and, doesn't, and, and, and knows it needs, but it doesn't, some of them don't have it yet. And Jesus turns that kind of fear of, of other people on, on its head. You know, think about the disciples. They were crossing the lake together. They were in a boat. A storm brews up. And their, their external surroundings terrified them. They were frightened almost to death, you know. They thought they were going to die. Jesus is just asleep in the boat. And, and the prince of peace, he woke up, thankfully, and he allowed the peace that he carried to define the reality around him. He redefined the laws of physics and calms the storm, and it's the inner peace that he carried. He's the contagious one. And so you and I can learn, actually, my, the spirit within me is greater than the spirit in this world. I can redefine the reality of the world around me. That's our call. So instead of being intimidated or, or worried about contamination, I'm looking around now and I'm saying, what's good news to my culture? How do I, how do I share it? I don't want to stay away from it. I want to share what I have. What's good news to the culture that I, that I find myself in in the everyday, in your workplace, at the schoolyard? How might it look if you and I ask ourselves the question, what, is it, what might it look like to redeem our culture rather than condemn it? What might it look like to redeem my culture rather than condemn it? It is fantastic having the Smiths on the front row. It's like having your own cheerleaders. Thanks, guys. Love you. Um, it's like stereo as well. It's fantastic. <laughs> what does it look like to have greater confidence that Jesus is the light of the world and, and, and he's ready, willing, and he's able to come into the darkness? Yeah. Isn't that the way around? Yeah. And then you think, okay, how can I bring light in? How can I bring positives and possibilities into the situations that I find myself into, into every person, everywhere, every day? I carry the light. I carry the love that this city needs. Let's, let's love our neighborhoods back to life. Yeah. Come on. Amen? Yeah. Uh, there's a lady who um, has become a, a, a dear friend of ours in, in Sheffield. She was a mum in the schoolyard. And uh, both of us got to know her as we dropped our children off at school. And she was a person of peace because she, she, the, the first thing that happened wasn't us sharing the gospel with her. It was her offering to serve us. She took Marjorie aside one day and she said, um, I can see that you're running late uh, this is not unusual. I, I can, you're lucky that we're here at all on time this morning. <laughs> I can see that, you know, you struggle on... Would you like me if you're running late? I can, I can have your child. I'll just look after them until you make it in. And so she looked to serve, uh, to serve Marjorie. Uh, and, uh, she, but she was an unhappy person. She was a negative uh, person, actually. Uh, her life had, had a series of failures behind it. She had uh, three failed uh, marriages that didn't work out. 
uh, she was a single mum as well, trying to, trying to raise her daughter and, and living with another man and his family. And she was heavily into the New Age uh, spiritualities. And so uh, we decided to contaminate her <laughs> instead of the other way around. And so we just got to know her. We just befriended her. Uh, we just became friends. It's perfectly normal. It's everyday life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but the thing that changed it for her was actually she came to Spirit Cafe one evening uh, and she had an extraordinary encounter with, with beauty and truth, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And she ended up kneeling down. And I think uh, maybe the next Sunday she's kneeling down in front of the cross Um, And she knew that she had to change, but it was a battle for her. It was a spiritual battle. Of course it was. She was aligned with all sorts of other spiritualities. And she won the battle when she decided to get baptized. That was the battle for her. It was like, it was so hard to get her in the pool. (laughs) Thankfully, we got her out again afterwards. But the battle was, am I going to get baptized and, and move from darkness to light? And when you get baptized, folks, it's a, it's a, you, you're not just sit, telling your friends. You're telling the spiritual realm who you are aligned to, who is the king of your life. And so that was the turning point for her. And since then, she's done our school of ministry. It's called Deeper in the Well. See there? And uh, she's, done our, yeah. she's done our school of ministry. And now she's a, a raving evangelist. She's just telling everybody about this new life that you can have when you encounter Jesus. It is. It's really, really good. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit that enables transformation, the power unto transformation. It's encounter that leads to transformation. And that, that's why Paul says in verse 29, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. It's not you and me. The Holy Spirit's the greatest discipler. It's not you and me. And, uh, and when I feel like, um, I don't know how to do this, Lord. I'm really heartened. He talks about wisdom in this passage. We'll finish with this. Uh, uh, Paul says that the, 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 this kind of outward focused life uh, is, is difficult but the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans even God's foolishness blows us away by how wise he is and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength and uh, you know it's the power of knowing your identity and sonship that, that means you've it doesn't matter whether you seem wise or 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 not, you've got nothing to lose and nothing to prove because you're a child of God. You've got nothing to lose and nothing to prove now, folks. And I think that can be an everyday occurrence for each of us. And I know I've shared uh, some examples. I've shared some examples from church life as well, but the point isn't church. The point is every person everywhere every day filled with the power of the Spirit. So, hands up here who's not a church pastor or on church staff. Great. So you know what that means? That means you are arguably better placed to lead people to Jesus than I am. Because you guys spend every day in the workplace, right? Or in the schoolyard. Or in your neighborhoods. Or in the hairdressers, in the stylists. You're better placed than I am. Uh, hands up who's in paid work at the moment. Who's not on church staff. Just keep it down. Yeah? So you guys are being paid to tell people about Jesus every day. You guys are being paid to be evangelists. What an opportunity. You get to be surrounded by lost people all the time. And you get paid for it. Man, come on. If you want to shape a culture, we need to tell a different story. You need to tell and show. It's show and tell, just like at school. It's show and tell. Paul said, uh, 
it's, um, sometimes, he said it's not with wise and persuasive words, it's with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So it's show and tell, folks. It's every person, everywhere, every day, not waiting for the kingdom to come to you, but introducing people to the kingdom who are hungry and thirsty for it. Because it's already in you. And God gives us the boldness. He gives us the wisdom. He gives us the prompting to go for it. And, and, the, and the Catch the Fire is all about the presence of Jesus. And, and you guys can be intentional about how you let it out. Let's be intentional about in, in introducing people to the goodness and the power and the beauty of God in the everyday, right? He's really good. May we stand together. I just love the way that Jesus deliberately put himself in the way of sinners. They were drawn to him because he was holy and he had a message to share. And so uh, we're just going to spend some time. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us. And I want to invite you, if you're being stirred uh, right now, to, to live this kind of a way, to let it out, uh, to let out the goodness and the joy that you have within you, to learn how to share the gospel in the everyday. I want to invite you to come forward and, and just receive the Holy Spirit's help and power to do that. So as the, uh, as the worship team help us, we're just going to ask God, um, Lord, help me to be bold. Help me to have the words to say. Help me to, to translate my heart for the lost into, um, into action with the lost, into knowing how to do it, Lord. I'm hungry and thirsty that this kind, of, this kind of thing I see in the Gospels becomes my lifestyle as well. I just had a particular sense. There are some people in this room being stirred for particular people. That may be in your neighborhoods, uh, in your workplaces. There are assignments, heavenly assignments. So he's going to even just right now bring faces to your mind. Because he loves them. He loves them. And they may not, not look like they're looking for God. In fact, they may already look like they found God, but they're deeply lost. And he's calling people home. Just hear, it's an echo from heaven. He's calling people. He's calling people. Stir our hearts, Jesus. Stir our hearts for lost people. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. If you are a friend of Jesus, you will find he's going to lead you to lost people. Why? Because that's where he is. He loves, he loves people who are far from God. He's right in the middle of it. I saw like a, a mixing bow. When I walked into this building this morning, he, he's stirring people, like stirring when you build a cake. It, 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 it's, it's not always comfortable. But just like Nick shared, it, it's not a jacuzzi, friends. It's the river of God. He calls us out. He calls us out. And we just pray right now. As, as we opened this well in Sheffield, it was, it was God. He wanted to love lost people. We could never do it. And we've seen what it means for people so far from God to find him. And I want to bless you as a people. There are people in this room today, you're going to go to other nations full 
of lost people. You'll know if that's you and your assignment. I bless you to carry the Father's love into those people groups that many would be saved in the name of Jesus. Many. There is a multiplication out from this room. Even on this day, I see it. <laughs> that you will lead many to faith. And others of you, it's right here. It's in Raleigh. It's in your every day, every person. I bless you with an anointing to lead people into the kingdom of heaven. Do it, God. Fill them with your love. The love is the power. The love is the power. Always. Always, Jesus. Catch his heart. Catch the fire. Catch his heart. Catch his heart. Right now, catch his heart. It's the heartbeat of heaven. Whoa, thank you, Jesus.